Hey folks, welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. Whether it's your first time or you've been here since the beginning, we are thrilled to be a part of your spiritual walk and look forward to all that Christ is doing in your life. If you are looking for more information about Christ Church or you would like to connect with one of our pastors or ministry leaders, you can reach us on our website, ccgf.org. You can also connect with us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Here is this week's message. Grace and peace to you. It's great to be here this morning with you. Uh, it was a little shaky for, for me this morning. I woke up and I called Craig at 7 in the morning and said, I don't think I'm going to make it because I woke up and the room was spinning around, you know. And that's the thing with cancer. You just don't know each day what is going to be delivered with your diagnosis. So, um, but then I called him back at 8 and I said, you know, the room stopped spinning, so I'm going to show up and we'll see what goes on. So I am sitting in a chair, which is a little unusual for me, but it is kind of comfy too. So, um, But anyway, it's great to be here this morning. God's given me a message for you uh, that obviously I was supposed to deliver. So uh, it's going to be a convicting message. I just want to say that up front. Uh, it's going to challenge you. And I know that's true because I'm going to come straight out of the Word of God. I believe that you came here this morning to hear from God, not Denny Patton. And his Word is what will speak to the human soul that he put inside of us. So I just want to make sure that's clear up front because I believe it will be convicting. So here's my very first question for you. You don't have to raise your hand, but just think this through. Do you believe you were created or that you are who you are today because of evolution? In other words, kind of the Darwin theory where way back in time, you know, a cell divided and all that stuff, right? Were you created by God or did you just mutate and become a human being? And in church, I would guess most people would, you know, of course, I believe God created me. Um, and I think actually, if you ask that question of most human beings, they would say, yeah, I believe God created me. Because if, if they didn't believe it, just kick them off a cliff sometime and ask them what they're going to start screaming. God save me, right? When it comes to the end, that's what you do. So we do tend to believe God created us. And so do I. And with my diagnosis of having this terminal disease, um, I know that someday fairly soon, at least I think, I'm going to close my eyes and the next time I open them, I'll be looking at Jesus. So when I go to church and sing a worship song, I'm thinking that's pretty close. When I'm praying to God, I'm not just praying a prayer I'm thinking I'm getting close to seeing the person I'm praying to. That's what's going on with me right now. So I'm pretty charged up, okay? Not that I needed to be charged up, as my wife said, but I am charged up. Um, so if you were created, all right, by God, then I believe you were created for a purpose. For instance, you don't build a table out of wood without a purpose. You build it because you're going to put stuff on it. You're going to eat off of it or whatever. Or you don't 
build a car, like in Detroit, without a purpose. People are going to ride in this car. People are going to listen to the radio. People are going to, uh, you know, maybe drive without using their hands someday. There's a purpose in why we build cars. We used to build go-karts in, in my family. We'd go and steal the wood from the guy that was building the house down the street. And then we would build this go-kart. You know, you have the front thing where you put your feet where you could steer the piece of wood with the wheels on it. And then you, you nailed in a, a piece of wood here so you could pull it back to scrape against the cement to stop it. And that worked most of the time. You know, once in a while, you needed to use a wall or something else to stop you going down these hills in Pittsburgh. And, you know, I have the scars on the knees and to show all that. But we built that go-kart for a purpose so we could go down these hills fast, right? Um, God created you for a purpose, for sure. He created you for a purpose. And the question is, what is that purpose? And as a Christian, you may think, I kind of got that down. That's a pretty simple thing. I'm not sure most of us really do have that down. And that's what's going to be convicting about today's message. So you saw the scripture that we read. It was about the, um, it was told by Jesus, first of all. Now think about this. This story that was read this morning by Craig was a parable that Jesus gave to his disciples. In other words, Jesus knows how you get into heaven. And he was talking about heaven. He knows what the purpose of life is. He came from heaven. And God doesn't lie. Jesus doesn't lie. So you know when we're reading this story today, it is absolutely the truth. And we have Jesus saying it in two different ways. First, we learn about the happy Jesus. And later we learn about the angry Jesus. So let's first of all look at the happy Jesus. Jesus says a master was going on a trip. So he took bags of gold and gave them to his servants. He entrusted them with his wealth. To one he gave five bags of gold, to the other two bags, and to the final servant one bag, according to their abilities. In other words, each one had different abilities, each one got more or less gold. And then it says he went away. The first servant who got the five bags, it says at once he went out and he invested what was entrusted to him and he gained five more bags. The same was true with the second servant, gained two more bags. It says, but the third servant buried his bag of gold in the ground. And then Jesus says in this parable, after a long time, and that's interesting because the inference here is that after a long time means when you're giving account in heaven for your life. At the end of life, the master came back after a long time. He came back and the first servant who'd received the five bags of gold came up to him and said, look, I've gained five more bags of gold. And what Jesus said to this servant is what each one of us will one day want to hear when we visit heaven. And here is what Jesus said. It's, and you might want to underline this someday in your Bible. Um, Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. Big verse in the Bible. It says this. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. 
You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. What do you want to hear when you're standing before Jesus, when you're standing before God? Well done, good and faithful servant. Faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things that I gave you. It's not a few things when you think about it. He gives you your health. He gives you your intellect. He gives you wealth. He gives you family. He gives you all kinds of pleasures. But he's calling them a few things. You were faithful with those. Now I'm going to give you many things. I will give you many things, it actually says, meaning now and in heaven. And then the greatest invitation ever offered. Come, enter into my happiness and joy. You might get a a call one day that says, hey, I got tickets to the Steelers game. It's a box. They have food there. It comes with a parking pass. You want to go? Heck yeah. Right? You can get some pretty great invitations in your life, but not like this invitation. The greatest invitation you will ever be offered is to come and be a part of your master's happiness and joy in heaven. Matthew 25, verse 21. But then the third servant came up and said, Master, hey, Master, I know you're a hard guy. You, you work hard for what you have. I, I get it. So I took your gold and I, listen, Master, I dug a hole in the ground. I put that gold there. And so when you came back, it's safe and sound. Here you go. <laughs> Jesus looks in this parable at this guy like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You think I'm going to fall for that lame excuse for your life? Look what I entrusted you with. You were born in America. I could just end it right there. Look at the resources you had. Look at the education you got. Look at the health services I put around your body when you got sick. Look at, look at, look at, look at, look at the pleasures you had. And you buried them? And that's what you have to offer? This is where we run into the angry Jesus. Verse 24 in this passage says this. Sorry, verse 26. The master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I harvested where I didn't sow and gathered where I didn't scatter seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have had received back my money with interest. Here's what you never want to hear when you stand before Jesus. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10. For whoever has been given more, they will have abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Angry Jesus. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness. Well done, 
good and faithful servant. Terribly done, lazy and worthless servant. The word throw is an angry word. I don't expect Jesus to be angry, but for some reason he's angry telling the story. Throw him out. This is why this is convicting. Why is Jesus telling us a story? He's warning us of what heaven's going to be like. That's how the passage began. What is heaven like? So here are a couple application points to this passage. Do you understand your purpose is to be about God's work? Do you really understand that? Or are you lost somewhere in the world today? Are you lost with the things of the world? Do you believe God created you to be all in? Or do you think God created you to be somewhat in and occasionally tipping God? Or for some, maybe even it appears like I'm in, but really, I'm a pretender. I'm not really all in. You know, it says, Jesus said, the last will be first and the first will be last. As I've gotten this diagnosis with cancer, God keeps putting on my heart, I don't know why this is happening, but he does, about wealth. How many of these things, Denny, do you really need? You need another car, really? You need another this or another that? Three, four, five homes? At what expense are you pleasuring yourself? That's not the purpose for which I created you. Yes, that's wonderful to have, but at what expense are you having it? And that's been really bothering me because when I point that finger out, it, apparently somebody else, there's three fingers pointing right back at me. No, Denny, you were born in America. From a world's perspective, you're wealthy. How are you doing? Jesus is asking us this question. He's telling this parable because he's warning us about facing and giving account for our life one day. And I'm pretty close to that. So what is our purpose, okay? What is the purpose? And I thought we'd just spend the last bit of time we have here this morning looking at that purpose. And a great place to find us is in Matthew chapter 9, if you happen to have your Bible. Otherwise, it's going to come up on the screen. We're going to do this verse by verse because... I want you to see that Jesus does give us an answer for the purpose of our life. And I want to say to you, back in 1970, I went to Penn State, and I became a volunteer leader in running a Young Life Club, which was for high school students, to share Christ with them. So that was 51 years ago. And for 51 years, God has put on my heart one simple thought. And here it is. I am on the planet, Denny Patton, to help people get into heaven. I am here to put my hand in the pile with God to help people get to heaven. Because if you go to heaven, you win. But if you end up in hell, you lose. And Jesus just pointed that out. Well done, come on in. Poorly done, thrown into the darkness. He's the one that said it, not me. And it is truth. So for 51 years, it's been, you get to heaven, you win, you go to hell, you lose. How do I help? 
And that's how I spent my life. So look at these passages in Matthew chapter 9, starting with verse 35. It says this, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Now that captured my attention because I'm sick. People ask me all the time, why hasn't God healed you of all people? I first say, what do you mean of all people? What are you talking about? I'm a sinner like everybody else. I trust God for healing, but if my days are up, my days are up. But what's really interesting, I want to ask you this question about this first verse. Do you go where Jesus goes? It says here, Jesus went out to the towns and villages. These towns and villages were full of peasants. These weren't people that were in the walled cities with some protection. These were people that were extremely vulnerable to whatever anybody wanted to do to them. Steal their crops, rob them, do whatever. They were very vulnerable to sickness. They got a fever. They may, they may die from that fever. There was no Tylenol and doctors who could come and take care of them. Jesus went out, and not only did he heal them to prove the fact that he was the Messiah, he preached to them the good news of the kingdom. So the first question about your purpose is this. Do you go where Jesus goes? Are you going out and talking about the good news with the people around you, the people that are out there? Do we want to go? It then says this. Jesus said, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Second question is, do you see what Jesus saw? Do you see people in the world around you and have compassion that they don't know the good news? Do you have that kind of compassion for God's word? What does the compassion of Jesus really look like? I'm telling you, man, it's deep. He cares a lot about lost people. He describes them here as harassed and helpless because Jesus could actually see what Satan's doing. We guess that Satan might be doing this or Satan might be doing that. Jesus actually has x-ray vision, MRI vision. He can see Satan doing these things to you and me and these people. They're, we are harassed by evil. Have you noticed any evil recently in our country? We are harassed by evil and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I was reading one story about a sheep when its wool gets so wet and it's so thick that if the sheep falls over, it can't even get back up on its feet. That's how helpless they are. What's a sheep like without a shepherd when the wolf comes? Do you see people like that? Jesus did. And then it says this, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Do you believe that? Do you believe what Jesus believes? That there's a harvest out there? Meaning it's ready? It's sitting there? It's waiting? Where are the workers? Again, Jesus is saying this. 
Where are the workers that I entrusted with all my wealth? Where are the workers that I enabled to go harvest? Where are the workers that I equipped with education and, and who you know and resources to get things done? What happened to them? They buried it in a hole because they're not in the harvest fields. Do you believe for your life and for others? Do you believe what Jesus believes? I mean, we're talking about rotting on the vine because we don't go. That is really sad news. And finally, he says this, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Do you pray the prayer that Jesus asked you to pray? Ask me. Jesus is saying, ask me, pray, to send out workers into this harvest field that I have waiting. Do we pray about stuff like that? And see, that's a tough prayer. It's a tough prayer because if you really do pray that prayer, it probably means you're going to be going. So oftentimes we don't pray those prayers because of the cost of my time, my checkbook, my whatever. But the harvest is there, and it is plentiful. Is our purpose is our purpose with what God has entrusted into us, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is our purpose to help people get into heaven? Or is our purpose to enjoy the pleasures of the life God's given us and buried in the ground? Of course, we know the answer to that. Jesus is warning us about this. So here's a couple of things. Number one, get your eyes off of the world and get your eyes onto the harvest. That's certainly something we all can do. Start to think about the harvest that God has out there for us. Maybe you're not even a believer here today. That's still your purpose. God's still calling you to become part of his plan and his purpose. So it's not just for Christians. It's for you to become involved in God's work. Secondly, see the harassment of people and do something about it. See the helplessness do something about it. You've been entrusted with way too much resources to not do something about it. And number three, don't let the harvest near you rot on the vine. Some of the harvest is right at your fingertips. It's not that far away. At least get the low-hanging fruit and harvest it. So here are three things that I'll give you that will help you get that done, okay? Number one, pray. Pray. Why? Because Jesus asked you to. He said, ask me, and I will send workers into my harvest field. Okay, then go do that. Pray that prayer. Pray it today. And realize he may be pointing that prayer right back to you. Okay? Number two, become proactive. Don't wait. Act. I'll give you an example. There was a young man who was going on the staff of Urban Impact. I knew about it because uh, he was in my ministry and somebody shared with me he was going on the um, Urban Impact missionary 
becoming an urban impact missionary. I know they have to raise all of their uh, salary. So I made a decision to proactively ask him, is there anything I can do because I want to give you some money? I asked him if I could give him money. I didn't wait for him to come to me and say, hey, could you help me? Or have to write the letter to me or whatever. That is so difficult to do. I was talking to a pastor, my friend, who runs a big church here in Pittsburgh. And I said to him, you should never, ever have to ask people for resources. They should be lining up coming to you to help. I said, that's so sad that you have to go ask. So become proactive. Do it before you're asked. And finally, have a plan. Have a plan how you are going to get involved in the harvest. Let me tell you what I do, okay? Craig was mentioning we started something called the Family Wins. The Family Wins is real simple. If a husband and wife will start reading God's word every day, devotionally, I believe their family will win. As a matter of fact, I will guarantee it. Because God's word does not come back void. So if a husband and wife would just simply read God's word every day, their family will win. That's why we call it the family wins. So why don't they do that? A lot of reasons, but the facts are, most people don't have a devotional life. They start, they start, they start, they stop, they start, they stop. It's like working out or being on a diet. So our endeavor with the family wins was to take away some of the distractions, get rid of the excuses. So we created this devotional, and you'll notice there's a picture on the front. This is a picture of my family, and we give you a little stick-on thing. So whatever God teaches you from reading today, you pray that back into your family before you're done. Every day, do that. Every day, we have a 21-day challenge. When you're done with your 21-day, take the 90-day challenge. When you're done with that, read through the Old New Testament in one-year challenge. Then we put a companion app to go with this. Comes with a worship song every day, an extra video to watch every day, a place to track your progress, a place for you to journal, a place for you to be in a small group. Get it done, because God's word does not come back void. So this is my plan. I put a bunch of these in the trunk of my car because I'm gonna run into people. And this is my plan. Give it to them. I don't got much better than that than to give them God's word with a plan to read it every day. So because of my cancer, I lost a kidney as part of uh, one of the surgeries I had. And because of the chemo, my other kidney failed. So now I'm doing dialysis on top of everything else. So I'm getting dialysis done. This is about, I don't know, a month ago. And the nurse comes up to me and they're getting ready to hook me up to the machine. And how are you doing? They're taking my pulse and everything. Are you okay? Have you had this? Have you had that? No, no, I'm good. And I said, well, how are you doing? This is a male nurse. His name was Matt. How are you doing, Matt? He goes, uh, not that well. well. What's going on? I said, well, my... Um, my wife walked out on me on the day after Christmas. I said, man, I am so sorry to hear that, Matt. He said, yeah. I said, how you doing? He goes, not that great. 
I mean, she doesn't want to go to counseling. She doesn't want to talk about it. She's left. Hey, I got to go. I got to go hook up somebody else. And I'm like, he leaves me with that. And I've got three hours of dialysis to go through. And I realized all of a sudden, Denny, you're in the harvest field, buddy. Moon Township Dialysis Harvest Field was called on the sign out front. Moon Township Dialysis Harvest Field. Might as well have been blinking on and off, right? Because that's where I was. And in the trunk of my car, I had a way to take care of some harvesting. So I went out, I got him. I said, hey, wait, I'm going to give you a gift. I come back and he's waiting for me in the lobby. I said, Matt, are you a man of faith? Yes, I am, he said. Then I want you to take this. I want you to read it every day. Put your family in the front and start praying for them every day. And your wife every day. And let God do what he wants to do with that. Tears coming down his eyes, right? Tears. Have a plan. If you want to have this plan, it's real simple. You just go to the family wins, the familywins.org. And you can order this. You can order five. You can order ten. Put them in your trunk. Become an influencer. Become a harvester. Not just one for me. For the ones in the harvest that God's going to send you to. Put them in your trunk. Or do something like that. As a matter of fact, we actually have Bibles here today. You can go on your phone while the service is ending or right at the end. You can order it on your phone and pick them up in the back. How convenient is that? No excuses, no distractions. Become a harvester. Pray, be proactive, have a plan. Those are three things we all can do. Right? So I'm going to say a prayer. And I realize in a congregation this size, as I said, this is going to be a convicting message. There's some of you that need to do some things with God in your life today to get things settled and get things right. Because maybe your purpose is not where it needs to be. And I hope it's been recalibrated today because of his word to you. So when I say this prayer, I'm going to give you an opportunity to kind of get right with God yourself first. Ask him to Come into your life, maybe for the first time. Or Lord, I need to rededicate my life to you because my purpose is not where it needs to be. So wherever you see yourself, I'll pray a prayer. When I come to that point, you can pray it with me, okay? So let's just pray together. Lord Jesus, only you know how much I needed to be here today. Thank you for your word into my soul this morning, Lord Jesus. And please forgive me for misusing what you've entrusted to me. You have been so, so good to me. And I'm burying way too much of what you gave me. Way too much. Please forgive me, Lord Jesus. And now if you'd like to pray with me, simply pray this in your heart and I believe Jesus will give you a new starting point to get about the purpose. So pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, 
I really do need you. I need you to come into my life and truly be the center of my life, my purpose. You created me for a purpose. It's not all about me. I've been so selfish. Forgive me. I ask you to be the Lord and the Savior of my life from this day forward. Help me to be proactive and not just wait for things to happen. Help me to pray to you, Lord, because I know you will answer my prayer. Give me a plan that is your plan, Lord Jesus. Thank you for coming into my life, Lord Jesus. Thank you for re-gauging my life this very day. I love you, Lord Jesus. And I pray it in your name. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer with me, and I asked the guys, okay, I think it's coming up on the screen. Here's something you can do that's proactive. If you prayed that prayer with me, to get your life right with God. I want you to simply text. You can pull out your cell phone. You can do it now. You can do it in a few minutes, but pull out your cell phone and simply type in the word prayed, P-R-A-Y-E-D. And then where you normally would type a telephone number, just type the number 484848. And when you do that, I'll receive that and I will get back to you to help you on your journey to discover your real purpose for your life, okay? So just simply type prayed to 484848 and begin a new journey with God today, all right? God bless you guys.